Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GRS Giants. That's Brad Abbott from Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Over the halfway mark of the 50 most relevant, number 24 is who we're talking about today, GWS Giant, Tim Taranto. Pretty excited to, to have a conversation about Tim Taranto because there is some absolute high potential for this guy to crack the 100 right across all of your formats. Joining me today to talk about the Giant, I've got Jimmy on. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. Mate, there's something pretty special about him. Last year, his second oh, yeah. year, he, he really did break out from a fantasy football perspective, was one of the most popular forward options available for us. Not many started with him, but after that initial run, which we'll talk about in just a moment, he was really, really popular last mm-hmm. year. And I think there's more growth in him. And the fact that he's a midfielder only and not a mid-forward, which some thought he may retain that forward status. I think this makes him even more unique, which is, I guess, greater upside for coaches that want to go after him. Oh, look, absolutely. And, and I couldn't blame anyone who did want to go after him either. He's, um, yeah, it's, it's like Josh Kelly all over again. This kid is a star. Oh, the, the Giants just, yes, they keep losing talent, um, you know, every trade period. You know, Dylan Shield, the most recent. But they just find this way to, because they're getting early draft selections, pick the eyes out of the draft, bet, get the best young kids, and just keep going. And as long as they hold on to enough of them, they're always going to be a strong enough side that is in top eight contention. He's just 28 years old, uh, 20 years old, midfielder only this year. But he's got some ceiling and some consistency about him that I like. His highest score last year across all formats came against the Dockers. It was a 120 against Fremantle for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Supercoach, his best game last year was a 116 in that same game. His average, 90.9 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team for Supercoach. Just a touch under that, an 88.7. In that format of Supercoach, he's going to set you back $481,600. He's a little more pricey in Fantasy and Dream Team, though. $650,200 in Dream Team. And six sixty, dollars he's going to set you back in AFL Fantasy. It's pretty rare air, Jimmy, for a player to break out and in their line, regardless of midfielder, forward, ruck, or defender, for them to break out and basically... Average enough to be considered a premium, it's pretty rarefied air. We're talking the likes of Nat Fife, Clayton Oliver, Jackson McRae, and now last year, Tim Taranto. Yeah, no, he is, as I said before, he's an absolute star. The um, the only real question mark, I think, for him this year is, you know, he's going to have that opportunity. Shield's gone. He was getting some good mid-minutes anyway. That's only going to increase, and so is his development, of course, and I think the only real question is now that, um, as you said, as a midfielder only, is he going to improve enough this year that he is in that elite bracket of midfielders from a Dream Team scoring or a Supercoach point of view? You go back and you look through what he was able to deliver for us last year. That that gives us that confidence or the, mm. the, the expectation, maybe that's probably a better way of placing it, that he yeah. should yet again score incredibly well for us. Last year in AFL Fantasy, seven scores over the 100 mark and an average of 91. The key thing about that, and it's similar with Supercoach, seven tons and an average of 89, um, he played you know reasonably enough throughout the year, um, 21 games, just missed the one match. 
Sometimes we can go, oh, only the seven tons, or only that many tons. Well, hang on a second. He's still averaging 90 or there and thereabouts across the formats with just the 700s. Yes, that means his fantasy ceiling isn't crazy high. We're not seeing those massive 120, 130, 140 numbers, but I believe they will come. Actually, what that gives us is that hope of, man, he's not hitting the ton that frequent just yet, but he's still averaging enough to be in that 90 marker. Mm. that's actually incredibly encouraging that his fantasy basement is quite high. And what you don't want to get with a breakout option, because where you're selecting him at his price point, he is a breakout option. He, he's not a moneymaker. You're likely to keep him for the year outside of AFL fantasy. That's actually really incredible numbers to average 90 there and thereabouts and have just over a handful of tons. Yeah, that's it. That's showing that consistency. He's not delivering those those awful you know, rubbish scores that you can get from time to time, you know, the, the 30s and 40s and 50s, he's consistently scoring there or thereabouts, which is which is excellent news for us because if he's doing that and then getting a few of those monster scores coming this year as well with that natural improvement and opportunity, that, um, that average is only going to increase. I, I think so. And really one of the big movers that, that helped him early on with his fantasy numbers um, was an injury that impacted Josh Kelly, um, and an absence early on in the year at the same time um, to Jacob Hopper that, that allowed him uh, the fullness of midfield opportunities that was made available to him. Now, I'll talk about the split in the numbers in just a moment, but once Josh Kelly went down, um, there's just a consistent theme of hundreds and 90s and high 80s um, right across his career. Um, and, and I think that there is enough encouraging signs that even with those big boys of Shield, Kelly, Hopper, inside that midfield unit, um, that you could believe that there's natural improvement. And as you've talked about, the departure of Dylan Shield, while Tim Taranto is certainly not a carbon copy uh, of no. Dylan Shield in terms of player type, it does open up a key midfield responsibility. This extra preseason, all reports, including a tweet sent to us by Phil Davis, we asked him, oh, is he worth starting in fantasy footy this year? He's like, yeah, mate, certainly he is. Um the entire football club believe this will be the year that Tim Taranto establishes himself as an elite fantasy player. We saw it as a junior. We got glimpses of it last year. And everyone inside the club believes that this year, Tim's going to establish himself as one of the midfield greats. Oh, look, and I, and I think it really is just a matter of when, not if, for Taranto. You know, with, with that level of talent and an opportunity, and, and the team he's playing in, for that matter, it's um, it's just a matter of time. And is it this year? Or is it next? Um, and if it is this year, is he going from ninety to ninety-five, or not, you know, or is he going to hit that hundred mark? Is he going to hit that hundred and five, hundred and ten plus that we need from him to be a premium? That's the the real question mark with him. And and at the price point he's at, um, you know, you're comparing him to say uh, an Adams. Um, yeah. Sloan, Sloan, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, those sort of players, do you have more or less confidence in him compared to those? How many of those underpriced premiums can you put into your starting side uh, with confidence? And um, yeah, that's, that's, I think, going to be the real question, Mark. Um, yeah, can, can you do it? 
Yeah, well, you're right. There's players like a Rory Sloan who was featured in the 50 most relevant a couple of weeks ago, just a few days ago. More so for AFL fantasy is around the price point of a Dustin Martin, different in Supercoach. And yeah, someone like a Taylor Adams. I, th- I think the, the slight question mark you could have on these guys, in contrast to Taranto, is we don't know exactly how Richmond's going to structure up. You know, the addition of Tom Lynch is a big change. Um, I, I think it's only for the better for Dusty, but it is a change. Yeah. What impact does Dane Beams have on a Taylor Adams midfield role and rotation? And Rory Sloan, while we know he's a gun, we haven't seen that Crows midfield unit with Sloan, with Gibbs, and the Crouch brothers all there. So we, we don't know the impact um, uh, uh, that's going to happen. Whereas with GWS, again, Dylan Shield out, a different type of player, but the more role and responsibility in that midfield unit. Tom Scully out of that side as well. Tim Taranto's tank, skill set, um, everything about this guy is an out-and-out midfield gun. He can win the ball on the inside. He can hurt you on the outside. He's got a great burst away of speed, has no problem winning the ball in the contest, and then being used as a link-up option and can be damaging, bringing the ball inside forward 50 and inside the 50 arc. So uh, I think there's only upside for Tim Taranto. The the point you make is, is it going to be enough that we hold him? Because at his price point, he needs to average not just over 100. Um, He's actually probably got to push the limit. Now, different in AFL Fantasy, where you're looking for a little bit of value and maybe move him on at the buy. But in Dream Team and Supercoach, if you're starting him, you're probably backing him in to knock the door down of a top 10 midfielder. And if you don't have that confidence, you can't start him. But at his price point, that's what you're knocking him down to be. Yeah, I think so. But the the benefit you've got to him, I guess, is a kid like that where, after what he's shown last year, would you think there's any chance he's going to go less than that sort of 90-point mark this year? Absolutely not. No, no. He's going to improve it by how much. And so I think from that point of view, he's a fairly safe selection if you're looking for that value premium or that that breakout you know, player that could yeah. end up being a top 10 mid. He's a safe choice for that because worst case scenario, um, pending injury or, or anything else silly like that, touch wood, um, he's going to be improving on what he's done. You know, at the very least, he's going to be 90 plus. So oh, yeah. you can pick him if um, you've got confidence that uh, he's going to improve at least to some degree, then that's great. If it turns out you're wrong, um, you know, it's not it's not a catastrophe. No, it's you know, not. It's not Look, like he's going to average 70-odd points instead. He's, correct. He's going to do better than he's done. Um, it's just by how much. If all goes well, he ends up being that uh, top 10 premium that uh, you can hang on to all year and uh, pat yourself on the back and tell everyone that you picked him before he did it. Um, if he doesn't, you know, as you say, come round to the buyers after you've given him enough time to, to prove himself one way or another, you can throw him into a... Yeah, turn him into someone else. So, yeah. Well, he's priced for, at that 90, isn't he? So you, you're yeah. wanting a growth of 15 points per game on him. Um, yep. A 10 is, is probably um, a fair expectation. And you're right. Mm-hmm. He's not regressing. Um, no. And so it, it's not going to break your season um, by selecting him, but it could make your season if you start exactly with Exactly right. That's it. So I think, yeah, safe choice, but it is still a, a big question mark as to, to when he becomes that that top 10 option. Yeah, I, I think the big question mark around it now, Dylan Shield played every single game that Tim Taranto played in last year. So some of the statistical analysis um, mm. it does need to be um, framed differently because um, now there's a key midfielder out of that side. But 
there is one question mark that does give me some level of doubt. Because when you look at who he played with in the midfield roles and lineup, there is certainly um, plenty of scoring variation. When Tim Taranto played with Kelly and without Hopper, he averaged 105 in Fantasy and Dream Team and 106 in Supercoach. When he played with Hopper and without Kelly, he averaged 100 in Fantasy Dream Team and 96 in Supercoach. But when he played with all of them, he averaged 81 in AFL Fantasy Dream Team and 79 in Supercoach. Now, again, some of those numbers, you're like, well, yeah, but Shield played, things happened. Yeah, I, I think the thing that is the slight concern for me, although that does raise a few slight panic moments, um, is actually the return of Zach Williams into the side. Um, because in the finals, that released Lockie Whitfield back up into that midfield unit. Yes, I know Shield's gone, but it meant Whitfield was now a part of the midfield group. He tunned up across all those games, Lockie Whitfield. However, Tim Taranto got a 72 and a 78 in AFL Fantasy Dream Team, 76 and 62 in Supercoach. And and so while I don't think those are numbers that are enough to go, oh, that's it, he's off the list, because I think another preseason increased aerobic capacity, increased fitness, and the departure of Shield should mean greater responsibility. Maybe not greater midfield rotations, but certainly greater midfield responsibility should indicate he's going to go up in average. The question is, how much and is it going to be enough for you to warrant the selection? That's it. And, and we're looking at a pretty small sample size with each of those groupings of yes. did he play with or didn't he play with and, and the impact of that. So it's hard to draw a, a, a firm conclusion out of such a small statistical sample size. So I'm not too worried yeah. about that personally. And I think, as you said, the, the general changes to the Giants lineup and his, his own development is going to be enough that um, he's going to have that opportunity to, to score if he's good enough. Um, and he is good enough. Yeah. We know that. So it's just going to be how much and when, rather than um, if and yeah, and how. So um, I'm confident from that point of view. Um, and it's as I said, he's a I think is a safe selection if you're looking for a value premium. Um, have that um, temper that expectation. There is every chance he only does average around that 90 mark again. Yep. Um, again, that's not a catastrophe for your team if you get it right and he does explode. Um, yeah, happy days. Well, that's the thing. If you're selecting him, you're bullish on the fact that you can see that he's going to go 100-plus this year. If you don't have that confidence, don't waste the starting selection on him. Whether you're more keen on a Sloan or an Adams for Fantasy Dream Team, a Dusty, um, if you think these guys are a safe 100, well, then pick those guys. But what we do have is because he's lost his dual position, he will be unique. But it doesn't diminish any of the scoring possibilities you thought of. If you thought he was going 100 as a forward, you'd pick him. If you, The only thing that's changed is how champion data have awarded a position. Nothing else about the Giants or how you feel about him should have changed. So if for you, you go, he's a 100 midfielder, there's heaps of value there. And especially in AFL Fantasy, that's enough to start him um, yeah. because you can upgrade him at his buy quite easily as a sideways trade to someone that's come off the buy in AFL Fantasy. Dream Team and Supercoach, probably a little bit more needing to feel confident that you're likely to hold him for the year um, yeah. at, at that price point. Maybe the value midfielders that we've got some, we've spoken about in the 50 most relevant, perhaps some others that have come, may make it harder for you to select him. But look, I, I don't have him in any of my sides right at this moment. 
But if someone yeah. said, I'm starting Tim Taranto, I'd be like, I get why. How about yourself, man? Yeah, uh, look, I, I'm exactly the same. I, I don't have him uh, locked away anywhere at this point, but um, I certainly wouldn't be talking anyone out of him. Um, and because he's got that potential and he's got that um, that growth and, and the, the likelihood that he's not going backwards at least, um, yeah, absolutely, he's a safe enough pick. Um, he's an interesting player from a draft point of view, though. I was going to ask you that question because I think if it's in a... Let's talk keeper leagues first off. Yeah. If it's a, an established keeper league... Um, you're probably a bit bummed that he's a midfielder only, but you're not trading him. You know, answering no, into his third not. year, he's already yeah. arguably had his breakout season. Mm. Um, the, oh, there's no way you're moving him on for anything because generally no, when you get to the... is as high as it's going to be right now. Absolutely, yeah. because you, you, chances are you either drafted him, at, you know, initially mm. with a, a top three, four, five pick when you, you first got him, Um you haven't even been given the rewards just yet, and you would be thinking yeah. that the third year traditionally is the year midfielders start to hit those you know high nineties hundreds averages. He's already done that in part in his second year. So in an established keeper league, it, you're not getting him out of the coach um, yeah. unless they've fought, you know they're an Essendon supporter and they desperately want Dylan Shield and you know like maybe you can play on emotion. Um, but th- that's probably it. In a single season league, though, I'm intrigued to see where he goes. Again, different in um, mm-hmm. Supercoach and also in Dream Team. Is M3 too early to jump on him? Because I think M4 is probably about right in terms of his average point. But there's always coaches in every draft league that are extra bullish and extra keen and probably mm-hmm. jump that quote-unquote round early than they should to get him. Where do you think he goes? Yeah. Look, I, I think you're right because I think, um, what is it? from memory, I think about 23-odd players that uh, are midfield only this year um, who averaged over 100 last year. Um, and so you think most, if not all, of those are probably going to go before him. Yep. Um, and in a, a typical league where you've got 10 to 12 coaches, that's two or three mids each. So that's going to be about the mark he goes because once those clear 100-point options are gone, you're looking at the players like Taranto that, um, yeah, that have averaged less but could go higher. Um, and then you're weighing up, do I pick him, do I pick Cochin, do I pick Sloan, do I pick you know, those sort of guys? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so he's going to be in the ballpark for that sort of time. But I think that's also the stage of a draft where traditionally coaches start trying to load up on those um, you know, mids and forwards, uh, sorry, not mids, uh, forwards and defenders that, um, you know, that are that little clear cut above the, the pack and mm. they're going at that sort of 85-odd sort of mark. And, and that's where you can get good value in picking these uh, underpriced, uh, so to speak, in the draft term, um, midfielders that um, that could easily average 100 where everyone else is picking in different lines. Yeah, look, again, we, I'd love to land him at M4. I feel if I could pick him at M4, I'd be really confident and comfortable there. I think M3 is not too early. I'd feel a little hesitant. I'd feel like I might be yeah. running a, a touch thin on my mm-hmm. midfield. But de- depending on what I've done in my other lines, like if you've landed a Brody yeah. Grundy, um, you've landed yourself an Alex Witherden or a Josh Stunkley in your other lines, I, I wouldn't feel as... So you've got to look at the side as a whole. But Oh, absolutely. You're not picking him as M3 if that's your third round pick. Yes. he's your M3 in the eighth or ninth round, because you've loaded up a couple of players everywhere else, then that's perfectly acceptable. Absolutely. I like your thoughts, man. I appreciate uh, what your analysis on uh, Tim Taranto today, man. 
Yeah, no worries at all, mate. Anytime. Uh, if you want to go and check out the article on Tim Taranto or any of the other players on the 50 Most Relevant, the link is coachespanel.tv. If you want to become a part of our Patreon, get some exclusive content as well as early access to these podcast episodes, the links are at coachespanel.tv. If you're tuning in, whether it be via Spotify and iTunes, we'd love you to leave a five-star rating and review, helping other people know what you already know about the Coaches Panel and the 50 Most relevant tomorrow the number 23 player and i'll be honest when i started the 50 most relevant i just straight out went nah he's not relevant this year and then the more i researched the more i talked myself starting him in every single format